How are you? <laughs> so good to see you. It's a beautiful morning, and I'm so glad you chose to come here and join us in this series. I love the challenge of the series to be like Jesus. Who'd have thought we could be like Jesus? And in fact, we absolutely can. So I want to start with a question for you. If I were to ask you what the average human attention span is, what would you say it is? 20 seconds, 20 seconds I wish. Huh, what else? Three seconds. Oh, that, we, got, we went from that to that. <laughs> so in the year 2000, it was 12 seconds. But now they say the average attention span of, of, uh, that we have is eight seconds, which means we have less of an attention span than a goldfish. And which means some of you have already left the building. So this is very depressing for a communicator. <laughs> but here's what we know. You know, for one study, there's another study to debunk it. And in fact, there are some studies that have come out and said this is wrong. The reports are wrong. At the end of the day, you know what I think has really happened to us? I think that we tend to give our attention to the things we think we need to that require our attention or the things we're interested in. And, and here's why, because think about the media. They have done such an excellent job of grabbing our attention. If you go to the movies, you watch anything on TV, have you noticed how fast everybody talks? Everybody talks like this. They just over-caffeinate every actor. Because it's all about grabbing your attention. And I think that what it's done is it's conditioned us to expect everything to grab our attention, which means we are susceptible to boredom. We can get bored with even the things of God. So what has happened in addition is these have gained our attention, right? A lot of our attention goes right here. And, you know, so I'm guilty of, of this. And, you know, I think that as moms, we're used to multitasking, right? I mean, we know what it's like to, you know, give your husband his glasses with your left hand that he left on the, you know, on the top of the dresser that he could never find, and then peeling your son off the stairs because he decided to climb the outside of the stairs. Meanwhile, with your left foot, you are texting back the teacher about the cupcakes, right? So, so, I mean, I know that I can multitask or I think I can multitask. So I have been guilty of this where my husband and I are having a conversation and something pops up and I have to respond to this text. And, and, and even right now, hold on a second, I have to respond to it. <laughs> now you would say, how, how rude and how odd is that? How out of place is that for you to be on your phone, Pastor Colleen, when we're all here in the room? But it's true of that, but it's also true of the one. Because here's what the Lord showed me after my husband bugging me about this at least five times. And that is, it doesn't matter. What's not important is that I think I can do all these things at once. What's important is what it's doing to him and our relationship. So I have learned to turn my face, my phone, face down because that's where it belongs. I had to take off my eye watch because every second, you know, I, I mean, I would have probably been one of those who was diagnosed with ADD in school, 
but I'm so old that they hadn't come up with that diagnosis yet, so I'm so glad. Because, you know, I'm one of these people like squirrel, you know, I, so it, I, if you're like me. So it's really funny that I'm t talking to you about a subject this morning that's called attentiveness. And so if I can do it, you can do it as well, all right? So I think that's what's important for us to understand is where we are today as a society is we are distracted and disconnected. We're connected via technology. And when the pandemic came in, Zoom meetings replaced conference room meetings and coffee shop meetings. And it's almost like we have forgotten what it's like to be fully present. And we have come to accept a lesser form of connection. And in some cases, we actually prefer it. Because via technology, if you don't like something, unfollow, block. But it's very difficult to block somebody that's sitting right next to you. I block you. <laughs> I'm still here. I unfollow you. I'm still here. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Monologues have replaced dialogues. We have talking heads instead of talking friends. We want you, I want you to watch my reel, but how do you have eye-tie connection through a reel? How are we ever going to see eye-to-eye -eye on something if we're not willing to sit down and look into another person's eyes? I think that's a big part of making the heart connection. Beginning to listen again, because we live in a society, and you know this to be true, what I'm about to say is there's a lot of lonely people out there who don't feel like they matter. And Mother Teresa identified this. In fact, I love this quote. She said, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest suffering is to feel alone, unwanted, and unloved. It's true, isn't it? The greatest suffering is also having no one forgetting what an intimate, truly human relationship is. She saw the dilemma in her people. She saw the AIDS victims who were dying. And so I love that this little four foot 11 woman stepped up as a solution. And she said, I'm gonna run to the madness because she saw herself as a solution to people's loneliness. And guess what? I have a newsflash for you. You, you, and you, and you, and you, you're a solution to the loneliness. You're a solution. Because you are an ambassador of light. You are the salt. You are the light. You are, we just sang about it. That's who you are. So you and I are going to have to lift up our heads and shift our focus. Chiropractors have found that there is this new bone that's forming on the back of the spine. And you know what it's from? From people doing this. <laughs> They're growing little tails off their spine. Yep. Check it out. Research it. I ain't lying to you. I don't lie up here because if I do, I get struck by lightning. <laughs> See, this is how we find our opportunity to be like Jesus. And last week, my husband challenged us. He said, what if we made it our life's goal to be like Jesus? I think that's the best goal that we could ever have, don't you? How many of you want to do that? So if we're gonna do that, we have to start asking our questions about what 
made Jesus so impactful? Think about it. What, what did make him so impactful? Was it the miracles? Was it his messages? I mean, all those were good. But you know what? The most meaningful way that Jesus impacted the lives of other people was through his attentiveness. The way he noticed and what he noticed about people. So what that tells me, if I want to be like Jesus, then the most meaningful thing that I have to give to another human being is my attention. So I want you to watch Jesus. I want to go through some passages with you. I want you to watch Jesus and his attentiveness because Jesus paid attention to those others missed. He paid attention to the ones that others were pushing away. Remember in Mark chapter 10, here's Jesus, there's crowds of people, there's always crowds of people, and there's the mothers wanting to bring their, their children up to be blessed by Jesus because the rabbi would put his hand on children and bless them. So they want this, they, they're bringing their children up, and the disciples are like, hey, go away. He doesn't have time, he's a busy man. He has places to go and people to see. And Jesus, in the midst of all of the confusion, notices, and he says, hey, bring these children to me. And he puts his hand on the children, he blesses them, and then he makes an example of them, and he says, you want to enter in the kingdom of heaven? You need to be like one of these. So I read this in the scripture, and I think, if Jesus did that, then I have to do that as well. And so whenever I can, if I have the opportunity, when, I have, when I'm in the presence of a child, I get down and look at them eye to eye. Why do I do that? Because it's not like you matter when you get to be an adult. It's like you matter when you're conceived. You matter when you're born. These children matter, and they need to know it. They need to have that experience. And then I begin to think about some of the other people who just don't get noticed. And there's one forgotten segment of society, and you know who it is? It's the elderly. Who notices and pays attention to the elderly? And so I just made it my mission. If I want to be like Jesus, then I'm going to pay attention to older people. So whether I'm in a restaurant or whatever it is, the grocery store, I make, a, I make conversation with someone that's older because they feel like they don't matter anymore because society tells them they've aged out of importance. We have to tell them they matter. And when we give them our attention, you watch them light up. They light up. <laughs> so I'm gonna issue a challenge to you today. Actually, the Spirit of God is issuing this challenge, but I want you to know it's a lot easier than you realize. It's those little things. Attentiveness is a, comes from the heart, okay? It's not passive. You have to be intentional about it. Jesus paid attention to those who others were trying to silence. There was a man named Bartimaeus. He's blind. He sees or hears about Jesus. He doesn't see <laughs> yet. <laughs> and Jesus is walking by and he's calling out for him and calling out for him. And the people are saying, be quiet. Be quiet, you know, as if he doesn't have time for you. But he calls out all the more. And yet, it's amazing, Jesus pays attention. Have you ever been in like a stadium where there's all kinds of people talking at once? How in the world do you distinguish one voice out of that crowd? 
And yet, Jesus had his antennas up. He was attentive, and he called Bartimaeus to him. And you know what's so beautiful in Scripture? You'll read this in Mark chapter 10 as well, because Bartimaeus stands up, and he throws off his beggar's cloak. It's, it's as if the very fact that he knew Jesus was going to pay attention to him, he discarded the old identity, and he was ready to walk into the new one. It lit him up. And in fact, he receives his healing. Jesus paid attention to the people who were trying not to be noticed. So the woman with the issue of blood, you're familiar with that passage, right? And how Jesus heals her. But take note of Jesus' attention because he could have just kept going. After all, she got what she needed, but she needed more than just physical healing. Because you have to understand, she'd been in that condition for 12 years. And she would have been ushered out of society. She wasn't even supposed to be among other people due to her condition. So can you imagine how rejected and lonely she felt? But Jesus stops in his tracks and says, who touched me? Because he wanted to validate her. He calls her a daughter. He says, your faith has made you whole. He validated her personhood. He validated her faith. He didn't just heal her body. He healed her soul. And how about the woman at the well? The woman at the well was there in the middle of the afternoon, the hottest part of the day. You see, everybody else came to get water from the well in the morning. It was a, it was a social thing. It was kind of like the Starbucks of the day, only not so expensive. And so they would check up on you. How are you doing? How are you doing? I heard about Ralph. No, you didn't. You know, it was like that kind of a conversation. But she was there all by herself because she had been married and divorced several times and now she's living with somebody. So, you know, she was not accepted in society. And Jesus makes his way over to her, initiates the conversation with her. And what's so amazing is that Brief conversation. One encounter turned her from invisible to an evangelist. You see, here's what I want you to notice. All of these examples, I'm talking about one person. Jesus left the 99 to go to the one because he always sees the one. And I'm not asking you to pay attention to the masses. I'm asking you to pay attention to the one. Because Every day, there is potential of an encounter with the one if you and I are attentive like Jesus. And not only can it impact their life, but just like this woman who became an evangelist, it can impact the masses. So you never know how paying attention to one person is going to have a ripple effect across the masses. I mean, I found this to be true in my own life. I paid attention to the one, to the one man, and now our lives together impact the masses because I found the one. <laughs> so attentiveness isn't passive. It's not, good, just, it's ha not happenstance. It's intentional. We have to have our antennas up. And we develop this. It, we develop it actually through discipline. And that's how we enter into this 
rich, abundant life that God wants us to have. And so this is super important to us. And no wonder then that the enemy has all kinds of distractions for us because he understands the importance of attention. And I just wonder, I wonder why we're taking the attention that belong to those we care about and we're giving it to people who could care less about us. Maybe we should shift that. Maybe we should shift that. So let me define attentiveness for you. It's observant care, consideration. The act of directing the mind to an object or a person and being interested, like amp up our curiosity about other people, interested and mindful of others. You see, when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I want to be curious. During the pandemic, I got certified as a coach, and one of the things they said over and over is, be curious about others. So we developed the skill through discipline. And yeah, paying attention, we have that saying, pay attention, right? Because you are giving something. It does cost you something, but it's a huge payoff because people are an investment, aren't they? So how do we grow in this attentiveness? I'm gonna give you three things to consider and look at. I'm gonna make it super simple. Number one, be aware. And so what that means is I have to direct my attention to him first. I wanna give him my first and my best. I like when I wake up in the morning and I open my eyes to direct it to him first, right? Because whoever gets your attention gets your devotion. And so I like to, to make it my goal to give him my attention. And you know what else? I like to make it meaningful. I like to tell him how important he is. And I like to make it my divine right. I mean, think about right now in our society how amped up everyone is about their rights. So if we put my time with my Lord as my divine right, we might be a little bit more intense about it. We might be a little more faithful about it. So I wanna talk to you about a piece of this that I think is sometimes a little frustrating for people and that is this idea of quiet time with the Lord. How many of you, that's a little bit frustrating for you? Come on, tell me the truth. Yeah, okay, thank you, all the honest people. You get to go to heaven. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. It, it, I understand. It's, it's like, how do I figure this quiet time? Like, what does this look like? I wanna help you with this because the Lord had to show me what quality quiet time with him was. And I wanna start with a passage of scripture. This is in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. He says, so be careful how you live. Attentiveness, awareness. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Okay, make the most of every opportunity. So how can I make the most of every opportunity with other people if I don't make the most of my opportunity with him first. This is where it starts, right? Making those moments with him count. And that's where I developed the skill of listening because Jesus told us, take heed, be careful how you pay attention, right? 
So I wanna read another passage that's in line with this, Matthew 6, 6. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God and just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And you know what will happen? The focus is gonna shift from you to God. And you'll begin to sense what? His grace is gonna be important. His grace is what fills us up. And so here I am looking at these passages and I just began to notice something one morning as I'm just brushing my teeth and getting ready for the day. And that is my mind would just, you know, if you're not, like I can brush my teeth without thinking about it too hard. How about you? Yeah, you, you can, I promise you. you know, you've been doing this a minute. And so I noticed that these things that don't involve or demand a lot of my attention, my mind drifts. And oftentimes, it goes into negative spaces. Have you noticed that? What somebody did you wrong? Yeah, like and how you were gonna respond to them. And that's because your mind is trying to solve problems. And so these things bubble up. And so I thought, this is an opportunity right here that I need to make better use of. So what I started to do was listening to the Bible. So Nikki Gumbel is in my ear every day. And I'm listening to this devotional and listening to the scriptures as I'm getting ready. And here's what I discovered, which was amazing. As I'm listening, I start seeing things in the scriptures that I never saw before. It's like it opened up a new area of my imagination. And the other thing that I noticed is I was training myself to listen, which I need to do. And as I did, what I noticed as a benefit is that I began to notice the voice of the Holy Spirit more just by exercising listening. Because what we're looking for is that grace he's talking about. What we're looking for is to operate in overflow. You see, I'm not talking to you about obligation. I'm talking to you about overflow, where you are filled with his grace. You are filled with his love. You know who you are, and you're not needy. You're ready. Amen. Completely different. And so in this time, I would just maybe you know, meditate on a passage or a song, and in that time of meditation and just listening to tune my ears, to train my antenna, all of a sudden I would notice things like somebody's face would pop up. And, and you know, sometimes when we, that happens often, we think, huh, I wonder what they're doing. But here's what I began to see. Jesus said, I only do the things I see the Father do. And what he was saying to his disciples was, you know what, guys, I don't initiate anything. I just follow where the Father already is. And so then I began to realize when I see somebody's face or a name or something pops up, that's the Father saying, I'm working in this person's life. And I want you to follow me here and step in here and pray. And so it's amazing because as I've responded and bought up that opportunity, how many times he will give me something to share with them. And there's a young man who was doing ministry and I hadn't talked to him in years. And all of a sudden his face pops up and I began to pray and I got a word for him. And I thought, oh, do I do this? 
<laughs> and so I texted him, hey, it's been a minute, but, and I don't remember exactly how it all unfolded, but I shared something with him that the Lord had given me, and you know what he sent me back? A mind-blowing emoji. <laughs> like, you have no idea how important what you said was right now. So this is the thing. I didn't initiate it. I just followed where the Father was. I just follow where the Spirit of the Lord leads. And he leads you to some exciting places. If you're willing to develop listening and develop your capacity to listen well, it's huge. Because what he'll do is when you're not necessarily, I'm, so I'm not saying you're walking around like, okay, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who's the one? Are you the one? No. And don't do that if you're trying to get a wife either. Okay, that won't work. <laughs> Free advice today. You don't have to be anxious. You're an overflow. So you're going about your day. And I remember a few years ago, I was in the office and I was making my way back to the sanctuary and there was a woman at the water fountain and the Lord said, stop and talk to her. And so I did, I began to talk to her and in a few moments, she's, I said, is everything okay? It's amazing if you ask that question. A lot of us are like, I ain't asking that question, I don't even wanna know. But you're an overflow, remember? So you wanna know. <laughs> in a few moments time, she ends up telling me that her sons had started coming to victory and they started changing, they started acting different. And the parents who were not saved were afraid because they heard we were a cult. <laughs> and so she came to check us out. But don't you love it that the Lord was already checking her out? <laughs> we ended our conversation with a prayer for the whole family. And you know what happened? The entire family came, got saved, and those two boys are now in ministry. You see... <laughs> It wasn't striving. All I did was not miss the moment. She likes to refer her to herself when she tells the story as the woman at the well. <laughs> it's overflow. You do it out of peace. You do it out of, you're not alone in this, right? Every day, every day there's a potential of an encounter with the one if you and I are attentive like Jesus because the most meaningful thing that we have to give another person is our attention. And right now, a lot of people are vying for it. Now, I understand something that this whole idea of you paying attention to someone else might be a challenge because more than ever in this society, you and I may feel like we don't belong. And I wanna tell you, you don't belong. You see, we're not of this world, but we're in it. And there's a difference between you not belonging and that you don't matter. You see, when I, I walk into all kinds of uncomfortable situations, but I already know I don't belong here. I don't expect to feel like one of them, but I do expect to matter here because that's what's important. So don't worry about it whether you feel like you belong, but I do want you to feel like you matter because you absolutely matter and you get your identity from him, and then you're an overflow to give to another. That's how this operates. It, like I said, it's a grace. 
So if we wanna be like Jesus, we have to shift our focus from getting attention to now giving attention and being aware of what he is doing. So see, it's not that hard, is it? <laughs> I, do you, you're like, I don't know, I think it's still hard. <laughs> but that attentiveness, like I said, it's like tuning your heart, getting your antenna ready for him. And when he tells you to move, you move. When he tells you to speak, you speak. Just the other day, I'm on the phone with an arborist. And we're talking about him coming out and he's trying to set up an appointment and he says to me, well, you know, you gotta be flexible because my brother's in the hospital so I might not be able to make that time. And I said, what's wrong with your brother? Now, I felt like the Lord said ask. And I think sometimes we're, we're so afraid of being intrusive that we aren't responsive. And so as I ask him, he tells me his brother is in the hospital on an intimator. And I said, I'm gonna pray for your brother. And our conversation now shifts and he's telling me he's Jewish and we have this great conversation. I get off the phone and I went to battle for his brother because that's what I was supposed to do. The next day I pick up the phone, call him again to confirm our appointment. We're talking about the appointment. And I said, how's your brother? And his voice shifts and he's like, you know what? He's doing much better. You see, <laughs> stop worrying about offending people. Do the will of the Father. You have kingdom business to do. They can always say no. Now, he has yet to come to my house to take care of my trees. <laughs> but here's what I know, okay? Guess what? Hello, Colleen. It wasn't about him being my solution. It was about me being his solution. Sometimes that's the way it works, okay? So this is next level awareness that I'm talking about. And this is the kind of thing that says, instead of walking into a room going, here I am, it's here you are. Which is also a cure for insecurity and fear of public speaking. That's how it worked for me. I mean, the fact that I'm standing up here, miracle baby, it's a miracle, okay? <laughs> Number two, be appreciative. There's this beautiful Zulu greeting. It's sobona. It means, I see you. I see you as you are. And then there's a response to this greeting that's sikona. And it says, I am here to be seen. So the understanding is, until you see me, I don't exist. Oh my goodness. I think there's a lot of people that feel like they don't exist. And so this is where I'm talking about taking the moments to engage with others so they know you see them. And it changes their life trajectory. Look at Zacchaeus. He's trying to see Jesus, but he's not necessarily trying to be seen. And he's up in the tree and Jesus sees him. Says, hey, we're going to lunch today. Arby's, be there, be square, right? <laughs> Changed his whole life because he was seen so when we talk about being appreciative, to appreciate, it comes from this Latin word, appraise and value. Place it upon other people. And another very powerful way for people to be seen is to be heard. They did a study of teenage prostitutes who'd run away from home, 
And they asked them this question, what was it that you lacked at home that you wouldn't run away into this lifestyle? Do you know what the common answer was? Someone to listen to me. And this is one of the things they train in the school of the pimps and groomers and gang leaders. And that is to give their attention to the new person so they feel heard and seen. They understand the power of listening and they're using it to manipulate for an evil purpose. How much more, how much more should we understand the purpose and the power of listening to develop empathy? How much more, right? Because we have an answer and we aren't gonna manipulate. I love this quote by Sue Ashley Eba. She says, the greatest gift that we can give another is rapt attention to one another's existence. I mean, you know how it is, right? When, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you just feel like they're really listening with their whole hearts? And you know what it does to you, right? It just, you just, it just lights you up on the inside. It's as if they grab you by the shoulders and said, hey, you exist. Hey, you matter. And this is a gift that you and I have to give to others. And I'm not asking you to listen to the masses. I'm asking you to listen to the one. And to pay attention to what they're saying instead of thinking about what you're gonna say next. That's the hard part, right? <laughs> and asking the right questions. You know, this is, this is the thing I love about being in the lobby, and this is also the challenge of being in the lobby because look at this room. You have thousands of people, and I wanna hear the stories. I wanna talk, I wanna engage, and yet, you know, changing of services isn't exactly the most conducive environment for long conversations. And this is why I am so thankful for the small group leaders, because you help us pastor, and you are there. In fact, if you're a small group leader, I want you to stand up, because we need to show you some love and appreciation. Come on, stand up, small group leaders. Thank you for opening up your homes and your hearts and being attentive. We appreciate you. And we need more small group leaders. <laughs> you know, the third thing is being affirmative. And to, to affirm is to come into agreement with something. And if, if we understand the way most people are, if we wanna be like Jesus, how we encounter them, how they experience us, one of the things that we know is out in society, people derive a lot of value and identity from their work, right? And so this was a key, I realized, in conversations. So whenever Dennis and I are at a restaurant or the nail tech's working on my hands or whatever, if I'm working with somebody, I want to affirm what they're doing. I want to add value to them because I recognize their craft. I show respect to them for their craft. And I want you to know that lights people up, that simple thing. And this is why I think Ephesians 4 speaks something to us in verse 29 that's really important for us to follow. And it's a sensitivity level that says, let everything you say be good and helpful. How can we be helpful? How can we help people experience us in a way that's meaningful to them so that your words will be an encouragement to those who 
hear them. So are people better after they encounter you? Have you made any difference at all? Even in the short amount of time, you can make a difference. It's absolutely possible. <laughs> so my husband likes to tease me because there's a certain cosmetics that I wear and I like to go to a certain store and whenever I go there, the girls at the counter will hug me and kiss me and, and my husband says, yeah, everybody in this store knows your name because all the money you spend in here. <laughs> now there's a certain amount of truth in that, but I want you to know that the reason they remember me is because I valued them. And you stand out in people's lives when you give them another experience from what they're expecting. So here's a simple thing. You sit down in a restaurant, you're gonna go eat today. When that waitress or waiter comes up to your table, they're wearing a name tag. You say hello to them first because the greatest isn't the one seated, the greatest is the one serving. So shouldn't we acknowledge their presence? how we buy up every opportunity, not missing the moments. It's a way to come alive. It's a way to come alive. It's a way to lift up your head and notice the life around you and the beauty in other people and the value and the preciousness of other people. People are not problems, they're precious. Look at Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. L live how? Wisely among those that are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. This is how you attract people to yourself so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now, here's what I know. Not everybody is gonna be sweet to you. So the right response is important no matter what the way we get treated, right? <laughs> yes, he's like, that hurts. <laughs> so I learned this lesson a few years back. My husband and I, we needed to get some supplies for the church, and I had called this company and spoken with a woman who was rather rude on the phone, and I'm thinking, okay. So now my husband and I show up at this place, and now this woman, and I recognize the voice now, and now she's being rude to my husband. So time out for one sec. <laughs> Do y'all know about Mama Bear? Okay, if I say Mama Bear, you know what that means, right? So if you, it's one thing to be rude to me, but if you're rude to my husband or my kid or my staff member, you are going to more than likely meet Mama Bear. And so here I am, I'm boiling like, how dare you? And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit say, let's keep Mama Bear in the cave. <laughs> and I found myself saying, and that's an important thing, to find yourself saying something else than you would have said. And I said, look, I, I'm noticing a pattern here. You were rude to me on the phone, now you're being rude to my husband. And I can't help but wonder what's underneath all of this and why we're having this experience. So I didn't, I wasn't a doormat, but I brought it to her attention. And in a moment, I'll never forget this, she drops her head. She leans over the counter. And for a moment, 
she starts, I see a tear coming down her eye, and she looks up at me and she said, I'm 56 years old. I've been working at this company for 20 years. They're closing their doors. Who is gonna hire me? See, we don't know what pain is underneath the way you're being treated. And remember, we're a solution. And so I said to her, well, no wonder we're here then. Let's pray. And we prayed for her, prayed for that woman. How many opportunities do we have to flip the narrative? That one encounter, if we're attentive, not to the way we're being treated, but attentive to him. Instead of asking, why are they treating me like this? Maybe we need to say, what should my response be? It's amazing what doors it opens. I had an esthetician. I used to go and visit her, and she wasn't saved. She was very far from the Lord. But I realized God had put her in my path. And so anytime I was on the way to the appointment, I just began to pray, Lord, what is it about you that she needs to know today? So you don't have to worry about coming up with something to say. The onus is not upon you to save people. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the saving. Amen. The onus is upon us is to be in tune with what the Father is doing. And so I began to ask questions and she would tell me things about her life. And over a period of time, she began to trust me because I listened to her. And don't you know, I had the opportunity to lead her to the Lord and she became a part of this church and that's the rest of the story. You know, if we, if we focus on giving people another experience than they expect from us, can you see how huge this is with racial stuff? They're expecting what from you and you give them Jesus. <laughs> you're gonna find yourself being less offended and more fulfilled. I promise you, or your money back. <laughs> so you know, Matthew chapter five, the Beatitudes, that has got to be one of the most difficult things. Like people are smacking you, turn your other cheek. Like really, um, come on Jesus. People are rude to you, do this. People are blaspheming you, do this. And, and you read that and you go, like how in the world, but I wanna shift your perspective about that because it feels like he's asking a whole lot. You see, what he's saying there, and if you keep reading down, there's one verse that he says, when they see your good works, they'll glorify my Father in heaven. The good works he's talking about are the right responses to the wrong treatment. And what he's saying here is, you know what? When you act like that, when you respond instead of react, it's an opportunity for the best of humanity to be on display, for the best of humanity to triumph over the worst of humanity. And I'm not saying people are the worst of humanity. I'm saying sometimes behaviors are. I'm not categorizing people. Buy up every opportunity for the days are evil. Let's not miss our moments. I think it's a new day. And I think the Spirit of God is telling us we have to shift our focus. In fact, here's what I know. 
I know that right now, the focus of the Holy Spirit is on every single person here listening and watching. Especially on those of you that don't know him the way he wants you to know him. The Heavenly Father wants you to know his love. Jesus wants to have an encounter with you to change you from being invisible to an evangelist, to change you from being the one others have shunned to the one who knows the perfection of his love. So here's what I want you to do in this moment, because I know his attention is on you. So I wanna ask you this question. Who in this room would say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't know what it means to have a relationship with the Father. I don't know what it means to have Jesus talk to me. I don't know what it feels like to have the Spirit of God prompt me. I'm living independently and I'm just trying to make it, but I'm frustrated, I find myself offended, and I feel alone. Well, he's our answer for that. The relationship he wants to invite you in is the goal that you need. So who in this room would say, you know what? I'm done with the old way, and I want to submit my life to Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to know him in a very intimate way. I want you to lift your hand up. Awesome, thank you for those hands. Wow, wow, beautiful. Okay, put your hand down. We're gonna take a moment and pray, and what I'm gonna ask you to do is just kind of repeat after me, but. What I want you to do is apply your heart to, to your words because this is the beginning of this relationship. So it's important that you don't just say it, but you align your heart with your words. So let's everyone do this. In fact, let's say this. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your goodness in our life today. And we thank you for your immense love for us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in place for my sin, to be my sacrifice, and now to become my savior. I confess to you, Lord, that I have sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit. And I say now that you are the Lord of my life. I am yours and you are mine. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the beginning. So again, the spirit of the Lord is challenging us. He's challenging us to shift our focus upward, to be aware of him first and frequently. He's challenging us to shift our focus elsewhere so that we can be like Jesus. He's telling us to check our focus inward so that we are aware of guarding our hearts, our responses, and the way we encounter other people. And he's challenging us to keep our focus outward to be aware of others and be appreciative of them and affirm them and you watch 
if it doesn't light them up. I wanna read one final passage. This is out of Matthew chapter five, verse 14 and 16. It says, you and your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And how and why would you light a lamp and put it in an obscure place? You are here for such a time. You are here to make a difference. Instead, we're gonna take this light and it's placed where everyone in the house can what? Benefit. Your light is here to benefit others. So don't hide your light, go let it shine brightly before others so that their commend, your commendable works will shine as light upon them. That's how you light them up. Light them up. And then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. It's time. 